Um, this is a rather deep episode for We Happen to Be Trans. It does con go into a number of topics that get kind of heavy. We don't believe it needs a content warning, but we're just letting you know we're not going to be as lighthearted as usual. But we're also pretty lighthearted. Wanna, 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 wanna. Hello, and welcome to We Happen to Be Trans. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, we are here today. We've got Jen. Jen, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself. I am Jen Giggles. Um, you can find me at gratefully underscore Jen. That's Jen with a G on the Instagrams. Hey. All right. And we've got Victoria. Um, hello. My name is Victoria. Um, I giggle a little bit, as you can tell. And I just came off of a hearty <laughs> nap. Gosh dang, me too. Because I was tired. Because I went to the club last night. That's why. I went to the club. <laughs> there, I said it. Nice. No, yeah, it was pretty much like that. But instead of like actually, I danced a little bit. But then I also kind of stood in the corner and just had, like caught like dudes eyeing me like in my periphery and like looking like they were about to make a move. But I just kept my like resting bitch face on and like it was like doing the intimidation thing. And they were like, oh, I don't know if I'm <laughs> touching that that girl with the 10 foot pole. And and I was like, hey, if it's 10 foot, you know, I, I'm i all in. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, but then I, I realized that I hadn't brought my earplugs and my oh. ear is super sensitive because of the Ramsey hunt. So I just ended up kind of being in pain and left and missed my wife, came home and cuddled in sweatpants and watched Forensic Files. That's my whole nice. life story. Of the last mm-hmm. 24 hours. Cool, cool. This is public service announcement to everyone listening. Bring your earplugs to concerts, raves, and clubs. It's important to keep those ears safe. That's true. And also, I'm at Victoria underscore Maximus on Instagram. Another important factoid. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And I am Kaylee Cake. Kaylee.cake on the Instagram, Kaylee Cake on the YouTubes. I had a cake last night, so I'm living up to my name. Um, only ate it, didn't make it. Oh, that sounded good. Um, yeah. This is this is my new uh, my new motto, my new thing. Only ate it, didn't make it. And then I get lots of cakes to eat. Uh, yeah. Only ate it, didn't make it. That please please choose wisely when you say that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> there, there she goes. Like, yeah. like, hey, like cake, cake, you can, you can say that yeah. about, you know, um, there's a lot of really inappropriate ways this could go, you know, but like, hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, a a girl a girlfriend, you could also mm-hmm. say that about. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to have to say that about your girlfriend. I do. <laughs> um, you, no, no, you do not want to make your girlfriend. No, never made it. No, only mm-hmm. ate it. Yeah. never made Just, it. Yeah, it, you yeah. Right, don't make right, it. Right, but then yeah. you have to clarify is the problem. I didn't make her. I just yeah. ate her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we, lo- my my girlfriend looks different enough that no one would get confused. They might get confused once I specify, though. Uh, so, <laughs> all good, all good. 
All right. Cool. <laughs> so, um, does anyone have an icebreaker for today? I, I do. Yes. I do. Ooh, lay it on us. So you you inspired me with that with our uh, icebreaker from two weeks ago, and and it had me thinking about that really crappy um, fan write-in episode of Family Guy. Oh boy. Where they all get uh, radioactive goop dumped on them and develop stupid superpowers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the mayor and then Mayor West jumps into the walk into a pile of radioactive waste and gets lymphoma or some other cancer. I forget what they called it. Oh my. My question is, what superpower would you get after radioactive oh, waste yes. got dumped on you? Would it be one of the ones like the, the like the you know the Family Guy group did, Megan or Claus or uh, Peter and his shape shifting or you know that kind of thing, or would you wind up like Mayor West and have you know cancer? Hmm. This is dark. oh, so so it's not like what superpower we would have. It's more like would we just like yeah. Die yeah, from you... radioactiveness or actually get superpowers. <laughs> would you get superpowers or would you die? <laughs> You're basically asking, is is this the real life or is this fantasy? Yeah. <laughs> no. That's literally what you're asking us. The age old Freddie Mercuryism. Yeah. Right? We gotta we got know. Are you, uh, do you, are you gonna live the fantasy or are you gonna die? This is a terrible icebreaker. I'm gonna live the fantasy. <laughs> How about this? How about this? Okay, let me. Can I can I tweak it a little bit? Because I like where you're going, but but I think a tweak here, because all okay. of us are okay. just gonna choose the powers. Because a lot of superheroes get ra- you know radiation, and then they turn into into su- superheroes with superpowers. The Incredible Hulk, Daredevil involved radiation. You know, it's it's a you know a radioactive spider with Spider Man. If you saw or heard of this radioactive stuff turning someone into a superhero, would you decide to partake in that same radioactive s- substance? Would you, do you want superpowers uh, that bad or do you want to risk you'd it? You'd risk or, it all. You know, like, could mm-hmm. there be a risk? Could it, could lightning strike twice? Do you want superpowers or, or would you just not want superpowers? Would that be too much responsibility to bear? Mm-hmm. So yeah, would you, would you jump in or not? Okay. Um, if you knew it had been successful at least once. I would love superpowers, but I don't think I'd risk it. Yeah, I, I don't think the odds of that happening, like getting superpowers twice from a radioactive, from a, like what should be a deadly thing. Um, I, I don't <laughs> like those odds. <laughs> like, like, sure, a couple people may have gotten superpowers, but also how many people die from radiation and like Chernobyl and things, you know? So. I, yeah. I'm gonna say you watch, no. You watch Chernobyl. Yeah, exactly. I'm terrified of radiation now. <laughs> you weren't before. Well, yeah. No, no. Before I had a casual, friendly relationship with radiation, it was just like, oh, radiation, fun. Like, sure, put that on my cake, whatever. <laughs> and then now it's all like, I don't want my face to melt. You. Radiation used to be so fun. Like, you know, it, it was just like, mm-hmm. hey. You just go down to the radio, you know, radioactive pond with your friends after school. And yeah. nowadays it's just all about, you know, the politics and, oh, you know, mm-hmm. death this, death that, you know, I'm growing a third arm. I have a third eye. 
Stupid yeah. OSHA and their safety rules. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit so much of this conversation to make sure we don't offend everyone on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> offend the radiation lovers? Yes, or mm-hmm. not, yeah, the radiation lovers of America. The, the good old RLA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ro- the, the, the Reloa. You know him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My uncle yeah. was a member. Before, you know, but he he got out. He's writing a book about how he escaped. Uh, mm. Escaped the cult? The cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, what would you, Jen, would you, would you do it? Would I do it? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm responsible enough to have superpowers. <laughs> okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. So you, you just would opt out no matter what. I, I, I would opt I would opt out. Um, you know, I, I'd rather, you know, not have that kind of responsibility. I don't think it's good for me. Yeah, I think I kind of feel the same way. I love the idea of being able to save people, you know, with the, with superpowers or, or just having like the ability to fly and stuff like that. But I feel like I feel like the government wouldn't would get all up in my business and you know, oh, that's it, true. It, yeah. it, it would be, you know, and then secret identity. And it's like, you know what? I already had like kind of a secret identity for most of my life and had to mm-hmm. kind of hide the the mm-hmm. real me. And, and, and I think in years past, I would have said, hell yeah, I'm jumping right into that goo. Goo me up, mm-hmm. cowboy. <laughs> and, uh, and. <laughs> 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 but, 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 but nowadays I'm much happier and am content to be goofy. <laughs> the Super Carlin brothers on YouTube, you know, they say that all the supers in the Incredibles, before the kids were born, were created by the government as super soldiers, like mm. Captain America was. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> they were looking to, you know, all of a sudden supers showed up. Like, they didn't exist after World War II happened. True, Until, yeah. like, during the war, maybe. And then, that you know, the, during the war, and then there was a new generation in the about 10 years before the Incredibles takes place. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> wham! All the supers are shut down. The government made the supers. It was the theory. And huh. If you like, you, you should go check out that video. It's quite fascinating. What is it called? I don't remember the title of the video, but the channel is Super Carlin Brothers. Cool, cool. Cool. That gives Thanks. me an idea for a future episode. Hmm. Was I going to stop, start us off? I was going to go was... last, I thought, because yeah. I'm, okay. I'm... Wow, I'm starting us off. What a weird world. That's a first, I think. All right. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Um, cool. Get, like, power. Get the full attention. Everyone's, like, hyped off of the icebreaker. The introductions. We're ready to go. We got the momentum going. Um, cool. Yes, I'm pumped. I can't even take it. I can barely even handle yeah. it. Ah, Tell ah, us your topic already. Ah. Hurry up. It is my topic. It is. Good. Killing Eve. Oh, um, I don't even know what that is, what? but I'm so excited. Yay. <laughs> I, I have heard of it. I've heard of it um, through, through a few of the uh, the bisexual circles. Ah, Ooh. cool. Um, I know. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. So I, I, know of, I know of Eve, the, the rapper, mm-hmm. the female rapper. And I know okay. of Eve, 
well, there were the Eves in the X-Files episode. Um, and then Eve 6 was a band mm -hmm. named after one of the characters from that episode. And I don't think mm -hmm. they were very good. Um, and no. now, oh, and there was Adam and Eve. That was a thing. Yeah. At a time yeah. in a book that I heard of. And that's all. But I never heard of Killing Eve. So, yay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is all those Eves brought together and being killed a la... Whoa. Um, what the, what's the... What's... What's that movie, Saw, uh, Saw style? Just bringing all the Eves Whoa. into a room together and like torturing them in weird puzzles and stuff. I want, um, I want to yeah. see all of, I want to see Eve, the band Eve right? Six together with Eve from the Bible and Eve the rapper trying to figure out a Saw-like puzzle. That sounds, I mean, yeah. it sounds like those movies right? have really gone downhill, like Saw Nine straight to DVD. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I'll watch what? it. It sounds great. Yeah. Right? Like, you, you suddenly bring in this theme of everyone having the same name and being brought in from, like, the Bible, from, like, music and mm -hmm. different e eras. And, you know, it suddenly it's like, oh, this sounds interesting. Um, anyways, so instead of talking about the actual TV show now, we're just going to create this <laughs> this story. And this will be our pitch to the big uh, producers. And we will make this happen. Okay? Yeah, they'll, they'll actually probably buy it just to make more money off the Saw franchise. <laughs> Yes, yes, because you know they will do whatever they can to make money off the Saw franchise. I hope so they make a, a, a killing David, uh, because then it'd be David from the Bible, mm -hmm. uh, David oh. uh, Copperfield, uh, yeah. David Bowie, and David, no David, and David Lynch. Mm -hmm. Yes. Beautiful. I love this. I really just want Weird. David Copperfield, oh. David Bowie, and David Lynch to just be in a room together. That's all I really want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happens that they're chained together <laughs> with bolts going through their elbows. Ziggy Stardust days, days with, you know, David Copperfield would just be, oh my God. <laughs> All right, Killing Eve. Okay, but, but but there is an actual, there there is an actual TV show um, that is made that is not Saw related, sadly, though it does have to do with serial killers and that. So that it's kind of similar. Um, but basically it's like this cat and mouse. Uh, there's like a psychopath assassin serial killer lady who is working for people that with like mysterious intentions uh while we have eve uh our main character who is working at first with mi6 mi5 one of the mi's the british people who are smart and try to catch evil people basically um mi5 is internal to england or uh, ah, the, the okay. islands mi6 is for is the equivalent of the cia oh. they only work, they're only supposed to operate outside of the islands wow cool you have opened my mind. I have done a learn. So yeah, so she must be MI5, I think, then. Um, because at first she's operating within the UK. Um, it's really interesting, and it's it's one of those shows that, like, I opened up the first episode, like, 24 hours ago, and then finished it last night. I guess 48 hours ago, and then finished it last night. Um, and, it, like, se season one. And, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to talk a little bit about sort of there's this like continuous like sapphic connection between the two chases. And I kind of wanted to talk about like portrayal of bi, gay and LGBT people in 
in media like that because while while I really enjoyed the story in that and there's like having representation and that is good it's also peculiar in some ways that especially with the psychopath lady like it makes sense with her character uh but she's really portrayed as someone taking advantage of people uh to satisfy her like lesbian feelings type of thing and it came across as like kind of strange for me uh they also have like a barrier dead type of thing that happens it's like darn it they're they're trying to do like they're doing something that's really interesting and i actually like enjoyed that like sexual tension between the two cat and mouse um there there also seems to be something a little like problematic with that and I don't know where to fall because it ends up being a really good story, but also it's like, dang, there's some problematic components. And we can see that in a lot of other forms of media as well, other shows and that, where like, darn, they're they're doing something that's really entertaining and fun, but also like, is that problematic? And how do we deal with shows that kind of have that but and and still enjoy them? Do you, Do you two have any thoughts on that? So what is it exactly in the show that is that is problematic? You're saying that she is mm-hmm. she's manipulating mm-hmm. um maybe mm-hmm. break that down for me a little bit more. Um Sure, sure. Um so they fall into the barrier gaze trope, which is the trope where you kill off the gay characters. Um Okay. Type of thing. Uh so they they do that, which is kind of frowned upon um and but also pretty common. Uh, but with the kind of main two characters, or the main, the psychopath lady in particular, um, she's very much portrayed as, um, as like taking advantage of, like seducing people, even though they like and turning turning them gay almost because she's so charismatic or intriguing and so smart in that that she can kind of like manipulate people into suddenly like becoming bi type of thing so it's Um, okay and like like manipulate using her power as someone who is confident and is like insanely both hot and powerful and deadly to her advantage in romantic situations, which, like, it does suit the, like, she is a psychopath, and so that makes a lot of sense, but also, oh, do we, it, yeah. it, it feels a little weird. Do we need to it, see, <laughs> uh, I, I do have thoughts, okay, thank you for breaking that mm-hmm. down for me a little bit more. You're um, welcome. The LGBTQ plus community is a you know, we are as diverse as as humanity is. Uh, it, it, like, just because we're LGBTQ plus doesn't mean that we're, um, doesn't mean that we are all saints. And it doesn't mean that mm-hmm. some of us are not, you know, there are going to be psychopaths that are also LGBTQ plus. Those two things are not, you know, related to each other or necessarily like cause and effect. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, same with same with race, same with, you know, diversity in general, uh, same with religion. You know, there are bad and, and you know, good people uh, across the board in any, you know, group, whether it's majority, minority, uh, whatever. 
but we have been portrayed either not portrayed at all but then when we have started being portrayed portrayed so negatively for so long and viewed so negatively that <sighs> there's a part of me that says okay portraying a psychopathic person who is a lesbian um that's a thing that could be realistic like there are probably there are lesbian people out there who are psychopathic i'm sure because humans can be psychopathic and humans can be lesbian yeah but i don't think that media has earned the ability to showcase ne our community in in us being in a negative portrayed in a negative light because we've been portrayed so negatively for so long the pendulum needs to swing the other way for a while and hopefully then find a true balance that more accurately represents you know yeah. re reality um the, the the pendulum needs to be on the swing of you know positivity a lot of people have that backlash where they say oh it's the cool in thing now to be lgbtq plus which is a you mm -hmm. know what the fuck are you even talking about but like like yeah. oh it's hip it's cool it's trendy it's like you know jump on that bandwagon and those are just people that don't understand anything about <laughs> the yeah our, our you know the that group and and us in general but they they kind of think like well you know if you're lgbtq plus you're untouchable and the thing is that's not true but for a while we need to be portrayed positively we need to be portrayed in a in a good way but the hope is to find that balance eventually where it's like it's you know once there's true once true equality has been achieved or at least some semblance of it we're never going to have true equality prejudice is never going to go away racism is never going to be destroyed unfortunately as much as and we will keep fighting yeah. against those things but mm -hmm. i think that when equality has reached more of a balance then we'll know it when it's okay to represent both sides of the spectrum mm -hmm. non-psychopathic yeah. lesbians psychopathic lesbians uh lgbtq mm -hmm. people of, of mm -hmm. different you know as villains heroes um, you know, conflicted characters. Um, as far as the, I think it also spreads the myth uh, that like that people kind of view where they think um, that sexuality or or gender is contagious. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, this woman is oh I'm lesbian and if I'm powerful and this and that I can make you lesbian too. And that's just so counterintuitive. And it really becomes you know a misinformation for people who are too ignorant to to dig a little deeper and to recognize yeah. this as a work of fiction um and it's just not really the way that it works like that's just it doesn't nothing works like that like that's and so it makes me question how out of touch the the creators and writers of the show are with handling a minority group that's all i'm going to say for now yeah definitely I, I liked what you said about sort of having to normalize the LGBT community before we can portray these more complex versions or um, stories that can be darker or portray the LGBT community in like this type of light as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. There are others who have articulated these, these thoughts much, much better than I have <laughs> all, all over the bisexual community about the tropes about bisexual, mm -hmm. but the bisexual has to be a cheater. The bisexual has mm -hmm. to be greedy. They have to be mm -hmm. small. 
You know, you can yep. have a gay guy who's just fine and normal. Slightly off about something they do or some way they behave. So when you look at Eve, the title character, she's married, from what I understand, because I haven't mm-hmm. seen the show because I don't have yep. BBC um, for anything. She is effectively cheating on her husband with the woman she's chasing. She's not viewed as faithful. She's not viewed as you know capable of monogamy. All these little tropes that have been around for decades, none of which are true, none yep. of which are in any way useful, but are especially common amongst the bisexual community. Um, you know how how we're portrayed out there. They're just, and they're just on display, full display with this particular um, show. It doesn't sit well with with most of us. So the reason I haven't hunted down a way to watch the show, because if I'm just going to sit there and watch myself be portrayed in every negative yeah. stereotype I heard about myself growing up that really harmed my ability to come out, why am I going to watch this? You know, I mean, yeah. I, I don't see any reason to to try and enjoy a show that's that's horrible. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's there's a interview with David Bowie um, uh, sometime in the 70s, I think. And he's he's in England when the interview happened, so this isn't a this isn't a uniquely American problem, but it it happens here as well. The woman who is interviewing him says, <clears throat> "So you talk about being bisexual, and and have you really clear have you know have have you been okay you know clarifying that?" And, and his response is, "I'm bisexual." Yes, but you haven't really you haven't really show, you haven't really done to say anything. Yes, I have. I'm I'm bisexual. She literally just keeps telling him that you don't know what you want. You aren't actually bisexual in in so many ways for like two minutes in this interview clip. <laughs> and he just keeps saying, I wow. told you I'm bisexual. Stop questioning me. You know, uh-huh. I mean, interviews like that are why in the end he despised the term bisexual hmm. because he just couldn't take it anymore. Wow. That's unfortunate. You know, it's it's the same it's the same kind of stuff that resulted in in a bunch of other shit that I'm not going to get into because it gets uh, too complicated and I don't want to cause a riot here on the show. Um, <laughs> I I take the time to talk to by elders and learn things. So but my thoughts on this are 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 many. They are deep and they are all about the amount of pain that my community um, goes through. Uh, in, in right. that regard, and I just yeah. all I can sit there and say is, why do we have to go through this again? Yeah, thank you so much for bringing up the kind of the the buy perspective. Yeah. As soon as yeah. you mentioned that, I went through like all the characters that the psychopath seduces in the show, and they all end up being by. They all end up cheating on their partner, and it's like, oh gosh, yeah, that like. When you mentioned that with Eve, I like looked at all the other characters that she seduces, and they fall into the exact same trope of they meet her, she like turns them almost, and then they cheat on their partner with her, um, yep. if not physically, then romantically, and right. is gross and it sucks. 
And it's it's interesting because I really, I, I actually really enjoyed the show and even some of the like woman love woman stories, and yeah. even though it was in a sort of weird way, was like kind of nice to me just because oh, it, it kind of sucks when you don't have much portrayal in media. Any portrayal is yep. like, can like latch onto that because it just has more of a connection and that. Um, right. But at the same yeah. time, it can be problematic and, uh, ah, what a good word, problematic. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a great word. I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, I, uh, I, haven't, mm. I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard people say that uh, some of the stuff that happens in Call Me By Your Name is problematic because you're looking at an older man with a younger man, almost basically a teenager, a, a child. Mm-hmm. In this situation, and um, it's like, and that's problematic to do that. You you shouldn't yeah. be, you know, wh- why didn't why couldn't it have been like, you know, a couple of high schoolers fucking up? Well, like be- before we start, I mean, we this this could open up a huge can of worms. I want to make sure we do stay mm-hmm. on the topic of ki- of ki- killing Eve. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll loop back around, you know. And and the other thing mm-hmm. too is, I, I love I love how naturally this came up, uh, you know, in more of a serious thing. We are. We happen to be trans. It's in the name, you know, like we are trans. Mm. We're trans women. We're trans lesbians mm-hmm. and trans bi. Um, correct, Jen? That's correct. That's yeah. how you identify. And it's going to come up, you know, um, and usually we keep it more lighthearted. And I do want to actually shout out a, a good recommendation. Um, trans IRL is a good forum uh, on, on YouTube. If, if you like deep dives like this and you want like, oh, I want more of those like all the time, do Trans IRL. Like that's a super good format. And we had uh, uh, Neela on and uh, she was on an episode that that actually talked about a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now in, you know, LGBTQ plus representation in, in media. But I know I know it's something that's going to that's going to come up and. Uh, yeah, Can you explain good. a little bit what Trans IRL is? Yeah, so Trans IRL is um, it's a YouTube show uh, hosted by uh, suddenly at suddenly Samantha on Instagram and and at creating underscore Thomas on Instagram, and uh, it's just it it goes into um, kind of getting real with with people from the trans community um, of all you know, and and a lot of them identify in different uh, ways, you know, as far as their um, yeah. sexual orientation goes, but they are all trans and they all have their own stories and journeys. And it really kind of dives deep into some of the more pressing and serious, but also like, you know, some, some are, are business owners and talking about, you know, their businesses and um, there's a huge breadth there, but it is a very serious mm-hmm. show um, really kind of diving in deep and, and, and allowing, I think the premise is, it was established as as allowing allowing trans people to represent ourselves on mm-hmm. tr- on our terms rather than in the media where it can be sensationalized or go into uncomfortable places yep. or yep. It wants to be on their terms. But that's yeah, that's yeah. it. I, j- I wanted to make sure I, I plugged that because uh, you know I I, <clears throat> I know that there might be people that listen that are like, you're all trans. How come you don't talk mm-hmm. about the serious issues? And you know um, we are gonna yeah. sometimes, yeah. but there is there there is a format where that's you know all they do um yep um and then you know um alexis underscore at underscore last has transfigure nation um you can find that on instagram it's also a youtube show um and yeah yeah and and i think both are necessary the serious takes and and um 
the more lighthearted takes kind of showing, hey, we're more than just talking about being like serious trans issues all the time. And uh, yeah, with some crossover. Yeah. But I, I feel like it's important when dealing with things that are so serious to have a space where it's fun, lighthearted, and you don't need to worry about doing emotional labor or emotional labor suddenly appearing in front of you um, and right. having that that safe space uh, to like just talk and ha- have a good time, uh, even if, you know, there's serious issues uh, so that we can take a break from them because the, it can it can wear you down so fast. Yes. And I think just knowing the way that humanity may, may go or, you know, criticize, <laughs> potentially heading it off at the pass maybe feeling like we're uh, scared of of handling the hot button issues. Uh, we're mm-hmm. not because we do it all the time and and we do it on Check our social media. Check out our media. Instagrams for that. Yeah, we got our Instagrams yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. What, what the, the whole, the, the thing is, honestly, you know what I am scared of? I'm scared of a world in which only one of these things exist. Where mm-hmm. we are only avoiding the serious topics, or we are only talking about the serious issues. I think yeah. that yeah. that's that's yeah. what my fear is, and so that's why this exists because I thought that maybe there could be some more of this to join the other good good part of it that I love, which is the serious, hard hitting topics. Yeah. So that was a little yeah. inside baseball for you, but boom, you know that's uh, that's what we do. You, you know, when you mentioned yeah. killing Eve was your topic, Kaylee, I came in prepared. I wasn't, you know, wasn't going to be blasted and surprised by anything. I knew what we were talking about, so uh, that, that's why I'm really glad we put up our topics ahead of time so that we have the opportunity to repair, prepare and not be blindsided too. Yeah, definitely. I, I do want to ask, like. Was the main thing you wanted to bring up with Killing Eve um, the topic like this that we have been talking about? Or did you want to actually talk about like, I mean, is the show good? Is the show fun? Is it, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously you watch it in like a day. Um, I I was, I was going to kind of end the, this section uh, just doing a little quick little like recommendation for it. Uh, I, I don't know if I quite recommend it, it because like Jen said, if, if it like goes again or like isn't kind to you, then you probably won't enjoy it. Um, I was able to kind of distance myself from that um, because I'm not bi, I think. Uh, and so mm. it was really interesting and entertaining to me. Um, and I did find that it was a good show, um, mostly because of like the dialogue and tension that they have within the show is it like bounces between funny and super serious really easily. And it's really well done in that way. And in an intrigue way where it's like giving little tidbits and you're piecing together this world of mystery and spies and, um, and assassins and that. Um, And so I, I do like recommend it, but of course with the kind of caveat that if you are by and worried about things that might like might feel bad to you because it does fall into some tropes that have been overused by far and is not it's not great at enforcing necessarily healthy uh lgbt views maybe skip it um but in general as a show i i recommend it um and and quite enjoyed it just uh you know 
we'll watch with caution. It seems like what what I'm hearing you say is is basically mm-hmm. it's a great show and it does all these things well. This mm-hmm. aspect, you know, is done poorly and yeah. and should be handled better <laughs> moving forward yeah. um, by yeah. this show and others. But that thing that is done poorly might be so offensive and hurtful to some people that it may negate all of the great stuff that the show does. And so that's kind of for each individual person to kind of, you know, assess yourself and see, you know, do I think this might trigger me or not? And it's kind of a, it's a, re- it's a recommendation for these great things, but uh, a, a huge word of, of caution, a huge warning, uh, you know, hey, this may be painful or, or trigger you and, and we don't support this aspect of it. That- yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I really do hope, I haven't started the second season yet. I really hope that they do fix some of the issues because I feel there there is, you can write a good, like, psychopath that I think, I think the route that they would need to take is to portray the sort of the people that she's seducing and will change how that interaction kind of works and also how much agency the other person has in it and kind of explain that they weren't just suddenly turned to the dark side or something. Um, I I think there's room to, for them to fix the writing on that. Um, But the first season is out and they can't change that retroactively. Um, I hope that season two gets better, Um, but I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll look forward to that on a future episode, hopefully. Awesome. Well, shall Thanks, we Taylor. dive into some airbending? Dive into some airbending with, with the spoiler warning on a 10-year-old cartoon from Nickelodeon. <laughs> I want to dive into some waterbending. Get it? Dive. Ooh. Water. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what you did it's there. Like, it's like when you dive into a pool. You know what I mean? Like when you... It's like when mm. you go to the pool and, or, a, or a body of water and you dive in oh. at first. Uh, like the divers, you know? Wow. Me, I get it now. No, but 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 I could explain it further in more detail if you'd like. Oh, because that always makes a joke better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and uh, there there is so much about yep. this show. I'm going to talk about one very very important aspect of it, but I, I want to talk about character development and how you get to see all of the characters with a couple of exceptions grow through time go grow over the course of one year of their life that's literally the length of time in story that the show takes place so you 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 look at katara who goes from being literally surrogate mother to sokka she grows and she changes, but she's still very much the mom friend at the group with the end. You know, she's not, she hasn't given up that role, but she's not living that as her only role in her life anymore. You get to see Sokka grow from being kind of an airheaded goofball to being literally a war leader in a year. He literally plans battle strategies and and, and wages war of the way, oh my God, yeah, a 14 or 15 year old kid should not be doing. Then you've got Uncle, who's there from all three seasons. And you go to see 
the consistency of character that older people have. You know, somebody who's been around for, you know, six or seven decades, like um, like Uncle Iroh is. I mean, Iroh's been around for a while. He's got gray hair, partially bald, and quite the belly on him at the start. But you see him change where he needs to focus his responsibility. So he has a major sense of responsibility to family and caring and protecting people. And he focuses that, he changes his focus from just just being all on Zuko to being, I kind of have to take care of an entire kingdom now. I have to protect a kingdom from my brother and his troops. It's literally, he, he literally wages war to save hit, to save a country that isn't his own against his brother. That kind of focus from just being, you know, a small focus on family to being a large focus um, on what you protect is it's character growth, but not in the same way you see with the kids. You watch Aang go from being a lovable goofball who who doesn't care much for responsibility. He avoids it every chance he gets. He, you know, r- literally ran away at the start of the story. He ran away, and that's how he got frozen in a ice for 100 years, so that he could have fun instead of be the Avatar, to becoming the Avatar, and literally owning that position 100%, to the point that he even said no to the advice previous Avatars had given him. He stood up for his own morals, his own belief in not killing. You know, I mean, he avoided that. If you watch the battles and the fights over the course of the show, you might see one or two people die, maybe, because Saki hit him with a boomerang or they fell off of something. But those actions are 99% of the time not something that Aang did. They're almost always Saka or Katara or someone else fighting the war. The the worst thing does is when he get you know gets possessed by the by the moon by the um water fish, he slaughters people. And that was in ang that was somebody else using him in anger. Um and, and then, you know, uh you even get to see change in people who start out as minor characters like Suki. Um, how she goes from being just this this girl who basically kind of just playing at being a warrior where she's responsible and she's strong and she stands up when necessary to being a outright soldier and fighting on the front lines of the war. You know, how, how this, how she grew and changed. Um, and even characters that are only there for a couple seasons, you know, people that aren't there as much. Toph is a great example. She's still a kid. You get to watch her having fun, but she's, goes from being a runaway, escaping all of her responsibilities and off to do basically just the same thing Aang was doing, have fun and do things her way to owning her responsibilities and what was necessary and making it happen. You know, it's really kind of cool. Personally, Zuko's story arc is the best. And and I agree. I think, yeah. um, And I've been rewatching the series with my sweetie. So what I've got, um, we just this last week finished season three together. Um, so she finally got to see the end of it. And Zuko, he even outright tries to explain his character growth and why he's having troubles in, oh, my firebending doesn't work because I've lost my purpose. He has to have a drive, a mission, a focus. He doesn't, he's, doesn't want to be angry anymore. 
He gives up all these things that defined him for a whole season and a half. And he starts to lose them in halfway through season two and tries to regain them in season three and fails. And that last half of season three, you know, literally just like the last like nine episodes, seven episodes, you know, I mean, it's he's barely even there as part of the, you know, part of Team Avatar at, at the end. He hasn't been there long, but his character change, the growth that teenage boy goes through from being 15 to 16, the maturity he develops, that's huge. That's amazing. His desire and his need to have a purpose that isn't angry, that isn't mad at everyone, to find something that's more meaningful than hate in his life is huge. And I, I really wish that message was more well known. I don't know. That's just me. I know I just talked for quite a bit here. What do you yeah. two think? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go, Kaylee? Oh, to take take a little bit of a different uh, perspective on it, or different direction, uh, perhaps than you intended. Uh, but I think all of that character growth is possible because of the way they use time in the series and how they do a really good job of making it clear that time has been passing. That it kind of enables this way of telling such kind of elongated stories um, and such clear change with the characters. Because instead of, like, most shows, we don't know that, like, how long it has been between scenes, between this and that. And with Avatar, we tend to have much more of a kind of visible timeline uh, through how, how they're progressing, how they're growing. Um and we we know that like there's a year there, and that's all within that, which makes it I think um, easier both on the writers it, once they've established that it's provide these clear like this is this is where someone starts to kind of grow in this direction, uh, and that really enables the storytelling to do exactly this because. I don't think many other shows can have pulled off that type of progress. It's something that really impresses me about Avatar is how they manage to show such character growth that many shows don't have to the same intensity. You don't have that moment of being like, wow, this little kid just grew up into a warrior, into like a better person um, because of the things that they've gone through. And other shows have struggled to capture that, I think. Um, and Avatar does it beautifully. Yeah, I, yeah, I completely agree um, with, with both of you, actually. This show takes a lot of things that had been kind of peppered through children's animation. Keep in mind, in 2005, also, uh, you know, dramas with continuity, and like kind of like the modern age of television that's that's risen up hadn't even been that that old at that point i mean that kind of yeah. rose up a lot in in the early 90s and you know mid 90s um as i mentioned before probably with shows like you know twin peaks and x files and star trek you know deep space nine and um shows kind that of failed and bombed like nowhere man um you know. Yeah, there's a lot of others, and, and and there were shows that laid the groundwork before those, you know. But th- those those are the ones that kind of rose up to the popularity and and launched the careers of a lot of people that went on to make this modern age of television that we 
are in now. But in 2005, I mean, let alone, you know, there were live action shows that wish they were, you know, they had the same kind of continuity and character development that this animated series on Nickelodeon, no less. Um, had. And I think that it's it's a credit to the creators, the writers, um, and talking about even, you know, the, the details of the way time passes, the way that, you know, they establish we have this long. And there are episodes where they're kind of chilling more. They're like, okay, well, let's, we got a little bit of time. But then there's episodes where they're like, we don't have much time. Like, what are we doing? And really struggling with kind of procrastination versus, you know, dedication. And and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, Kaylee, you're talking about the way that it's presented. And Jen, you're talking about what is being presented. And the way that this show writes children is still to this day of the upper echelon of top writing that I've ever seen. These kids feel like kids. And, and that's something that a lot of shows get wrong. They write children that don't really seem believable as children. Like it's it like I can feel that an adult wrote this child. And there's always that air of the writer and the creator being involved with ch child characters because a lot of times I think they're out of touch. They don't, you know, they, they have an idea of what they think a child is like or what they remember being a child is like, but it is not accurate. And somehow the two creators of the show really tapped into it. And, and I don't know what it was that they were doing, that they, they just really had that connection with, with how to write children well, because it's, there's the fun aspect of being a child and goofiness and silliness. But then also there's a lot of times that we don't take, even in, in real life, we don't take children seriously enough. We don't, we don't give them enough credit for being as intelligent as they are, for being as able to be as responsible as they are. I know that I've done this as a parent. Um, it's something that I, you know, work on and, and remind myself of, you know, that kind of adult elitism. Uh, just because we're adults or we're parents doesn't mean we always know better, doesn't mean we always are on the right track. And and there's they're capable of a lot more. They're capable of understanding more. And Avatar The Last Airbender, I think, really does a good job of challenging children on the level that that they deserve they this show respects the kids as characters and respects the kids that are the audience of the show and their ability to process these emotional things these intellectual things and i i i can't shower enough praise um i mean i i've written about this show it's in my top 10 <laughs> it's that that's all there is to say watch it yeah. if you have not watched this show like go watch the show. I have met people. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. my own, my own, people in my own family. Not to, not to dog too much, but I've recommended this to people that I know, and they've literally said, you know, they're like, oh, that sounds cool. They're like, oh, is it, you know, on Netflix? Is it here? Is it there? I'm like, well, it's an animated show. The moment I say animated, I've literally had people just, just put up their hand and go, nope, nope, can't watch yeah. it. No, <laughs> yeah. no, I, I'm, I can't oh, get yeah, into it's animated. It's a cartoon. I don't watch cartoons. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's such a like. I, I cannot understand that kind of putting up walls or, or, or that kind of narrow mm -hmm. spectrum of being able to take in media. But yeah. man, if yeah. that is your excuse for not watching Avatar Less Airbender, like, you know, if there's one cartoon that I'd say give a chance to, this is it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of really good cartoons from that era. Stuff that didn't hurt 
the kids of cartoons from that era is the best of a good crop. Um, like the there was the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series that started at that time was well continuity written and didn't really hold back in how it you know handled the subject matter, but you could tell it wasn't as good as Avatar when you watch them, you know, or or even on Nickelodeon you have. Danny Phantom was out at that time. That was really well written, really smartly written. Um, the characters were well developed and handled like roughly like teenagers should be, but it didn't handle continuity and have a plot line the way Avatar did. It just Avatar was the show that got it all right, not just parts of it. That's just the way it is. <laughs> I find it very difficult to compare Avatar to anything like Danny Phantom or other kind of cartoons because, like, Avatar tackles such, like, yeah. grown-up issues yeah. at the same time. Like, yeah. it's it's not a show just for kids. No. It is a show for anyone, and there's so much heart and yeah. just love and understanding in this show that... It's beautiful to watch, and yeah, like no matter your age, you're going to get something out of it because it's just like it, it's profound in a lot of ways. Yeah. The the heart and the issues tackled are things that we all deal with daily. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, even even and I love Cora. the the character The character development in Cora and the the story is not is in in my mind is not as good even though it is still very good i i love that show oh yeah oh, um yeah. avatar less airbenders to me to me is 10 out of 10 uh it pretty it's it's flawless like I, I don't really have an issue with anything in that show um and, but you know cora i would probably put on like an 8 out of 10 uh it's very good super super good recommendation but um avatar less airbenders it i think what you said kaylee the only show that I've been able to kind of equate to Avatar The Last Airbender in, you know, I would show o almost anyone uh, because especially when they get into the continuity um, would be Steven Universe. That show is yeah. is mm -hmm. written yeah. to me on the same level uh, when it comes to cart animation and, you know, ch children. The only difference is Steven Universe it's it's continuity storyline is under the surface for a mm -hmm. quite a while before it starts getting yeah. into it but once it gets into it it is every bit every bit avatar last airbender levels of depth and emotion um i cried more during steven universe than i did watching avatar last airbender um because it hit it hit that hard with the emotional resonance not just because yeah. oh this character is going through something sad and that makes me sad it's no 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 this hit me this touched my soul because and it's relatable which is yeah. damn um, I, I, I would i would say um the new voltron show comes close the one that was on netflix um voltron legendary defender um that comes close it, it, there's there's so many that it, it it's now rolling out these these stories and shows that are hitting what Avatar did a decade ago, and they're just starting to become more common. I think you might make an argument that um, you know My Little Pony, the current My Little Pony friendship is magic, is close, 
but I don't think it's near what some of the what what you know like some of the stuff we're we're seeing in the past three or four years. I mean that's that show's going on what eight eight seasons or something like that now. Um, you know the the past few years when we hit some of these new shows, um, particularly the the Netflix original cartoons. Uh, if they're if they're made for a, a older child audience as opposed to you know like a young kid audience you know so you're looking at 10 12 years old they're hitting the points just right they're doing everything they're doing them right they might not be doing them quite as well as avatar did but i mean if you're hitting cora levels you know eight out of ten instead of ten out of ten that's still pretty up there yeah yeah and it's it's great to see more complex and well-written story for ch- stories for children because like yeah. th- that's so cool that children are getting like powerful stories that will help them explore interesting ideas and that and I think that's really helpful to their development and society's development and gosh dang it's cool absolutely yeah. I, mean- I I we used to put um um my son's mom and and I used to put on Nickelodeon or Nick Jr. for him when he was like two years old and uh, one or one year old, two years old. And that was at the time that this show was out and airing and it would come on in the afternoon and I'd come home from work and see it on around season two. And sometimes they'd play an older, you know, an older episode or a current episode. And I started seeing, okay, there's something here. And initially it was, Hey, this is on in the background because it's cartoons and it's cool and it's Nickelodeon and you know, my son is checking it out. But I was like, I gotta, I gotta start watching this show. So I went out and started renting all, all of the seasons that had been out to that point. And then he and I, he, he had actually never finished the whole show. So last summer we went through it and had this, amazing bonding experience where we got to talk about the character depth and um i got to see you know his his reaction actually kind of getting everything and grasping it and we we got to talk about the character development and what he loved about each character and um that was a that was an amazing amazing thing so yeah i'm i'm with you kaylee good points awesome i think we should i I think we Mm -hmm. can we can wrap up the avatar section here there's a lot more about kids' cartoons we could say, but we'll leave yeah. that for another day. Yeah, yeah. We did talk about it a bit a while ago, too. We'll, we'll come back to it. Don't worry. We're going to hit this point multiple times. Well, I think it's also good for us to kind of remember we're going to do more episodes. So, like... Yeah. So we can come back to Avatar anytime because there's so much to talk about. Or shows that are like Avatar, you know? So yeah. Or, or yeah. stuff completely different because that will happen. Mm-hmm. Now for something completely different. Mm-hmm. And now for something completely different. A man with three buttocks. That sounds hot. That's, that sounds... I've been rewatching that. That sounds sexy. I, I, I've been rewatching Flying Thanks. Circus. Yeah. You know what they say, three butts are better than one. Two? <laughs> yeah, one. I mean, yeah, probably better than one. Definitely one would be one. rough. Yeah. Yeah. Two, is, two is probably the best choice there. <laughs> I, yeah, with one with one butt, it w- like how would you even go to the bathroom? You'd have to like right. You'd have to open it up like a Capri Sun. <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs>
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got myself with that. Oh God. <sighs> so so before you introduce me, Kaylee, um, my topic. Uh, oh, you you want an introduction? Or just say just uh, say like oh, Victoria. Now we have well, just like the magnificent Victoria. Come on to the stage, Victoria. Oh, it's uh, oh, it's my my topic. I'm chosen. Oh wow, this is like the greatest <laughs> day of my life. I can't believe it. It's just it's like it's like everything I dreamed of when I was in high school, and I would never get picked for sports. But it's also probably because I never went out for sports. Um, I wasn't even like available to be picked. But you know, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to be but chosen. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, hello. Okay, my topic. My topic this week. I wanted to talk about a rapper that I have fallen in love with over the last year. Um, his name is Joyner Lucas, and a lot of people that love hip hop have heard of him. He's he's known enough. But people that maybe aren't as familiar with hip hop, you know, that might only know a name like Kendrick Lamar or Drake or Kanye West, might not might not know about him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's largely an independent guy. He's not on a big label, as far as I know. Not being pushed hard. His notoriety has come from what he does. Uh, a lot of times, topics that are considered controversial or you know hot issues uh, that he speaks from the heart and. He's really he's really reminded me of everything that I love about deep lyricism in the world of of hip hop and and the kinds of things when I say okay this is a genre to be taken seriously and not just to to dunk on because you know you've written it off as some you know uh, oh it's all about cash and women um, it's not and rappers like Jonah Lucas prove that so he's had a collaboration song with Eminem called Lucky You that I really like. Um, so obviously he's he's risen up to some to some stature. Um, his verse is actually a, a song that I've actually covered on my social media because it's just super fast, you know, killer, killer lyricism. But today I wanted to talk about a couple of videos that are his most probably well-known and controversial um, as far as as far as hot but- button, you know, issues. Um, and one of the videos is the I'm Not Racist video. And the other video is uh, Devil's Work. I'm Not Racist came out a couple of years ago. Devil's Work mm-hmm. came out this year. It's very new. And both of them definitely generated some uh, some controversy. So you both said that you watched mm-hmm. the videos. Uh, I'll just mm-hmm. let you all start and let me know your thoughts and, and what you thought about it. Um, what you thought about the music, what you thought about the lyricism, mm-hmm. the message, and the video itself. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Devil's Work. Then I, I, I looked at it very much from a like what what is he talking about, and like from a lyric standpoint, and from a like what the conversation he wants to start kind of is. Right. And um, as uh, it, it's very much talking about God in a lot of it, and as, as an atheist, it felt uh, kind of strange to me <laughs> a lot of the time to be. Asking, like, take take this person instead of this person. Um, I I guess for as as an atheist, it would more kind of go to like, just kind of the way the world works. Like, how how can good people die younger while you know all these bad people are off doing their thing and getting away with it? Um, and so I, I found the appeals to faith to be lackluster because 
ev- evidently. Um, but uh, it, it was a really, like, interesting video still. But I also don't... <laughs> I don't know if I understand the point of it necessarily. Um, because it felt very much like some, some something's wrong and I'm upset at it, I guess. But uh, it, it didn't quite connect with me in the way of, like, okay, this is, like, something... We, we we should do something or something is just like, oh, this is the way the world is working and we should still have faith in God, but but that's not working type of thing. And like, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember all my other kind of thoughts on it. Um, I, I actually found it interesting. Um, a lot of the people that he talks about bringing back are kind of like, pop culture icons, um, yep. at, at least a majority of them. Yep. And I found that interesting, um, almost as like a commentary that I, I don't think he was trying to make it as a commentary, but something that I took away from it just as a kind of observation is how we put so much value on pop culture icons. Like if we if we are like going through this, a thought experiment of like trading uh, a good person who's dead for a bad person who's alive type of thing and bringing back uh, this this good dead person, then like I feel like pop culture then distorts our our view of value and who is who is actually providing the most good to the world because while I I think there's definitely value in pop culture and in, in um like people creating music and that I it also feels like there's so many people that could have done more tangible good or more you know it's like the people who don't become famous just kind of disappear and we forget about them while the people who were famous get their get their kind of spot and we want them back um and I, I just found that sort of an interesting kind of thing that that brought to mind of like, are, are we valuing the right things if we're going through this thought experiment uh, that yeah. I kind of made up on the spot? <laughs> I think that, you know, because he does, he does mention, you know, you mm-hmm. take our, our mothers and our sisters from us, you take our, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, all of the, all of the people that he brings up are, most of them are largely known. And mm-hmm. I think that yeah. that was more for the sake of relatability uh, oh, amongst yeah. the listeners than it necessarily was about, oh, bring back these people and take these people. Yeah. But I don't, you know, but I don't care about the, you know, but anybody who's mm-hmm. bad or good who is not famous doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I think he's making these kind of right. generalized statements of, you know, can't you take mm-hmm. the bad people and give us back some good people? And the whole song is even even as you said, you know, as an atheist. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I am a person of faith, although it's something that is is a process uh, for me that is far too deep to go on in, in this in this podcast. But uh, <laughs> I'd like to believe in God. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, but <laughs> I think that this song is relatable whether you are a person of faith or not and it's cathartic it's almost cathartic the song is and and there's and he doesn't leave us with a solution you know and that's kind of what it sounds like he brought up is like i don't really know what we are to do about it um Mm -hmm. other than sit and wonder 
I just yeah, think it, it feels like yelling at clouds a little. <laughs> sure. Um, but sometimes yeah. but sometimes screaming in the pillow and yelling at clouds is a very human thing to do, you know. That's true, yeah. I've been there. I, I'm sure a lot of us have, and and in this art form with a cool beat behind it, like it it yeah. invokes. It kind of reminds me of those times in my life, and hearing him go there brings me to this place mm-hmm. of emotional resonance. Yeah. Okay. I can I can definitely see that. It's definitely like that first watch was very like surface level, and it took like um also maybe perhaps not being as used to hip hop um i did like found it difficult to follow with the lyrics all the time but music can be like that in general yeah. um def- definitely something that perhaps i need to rewatch to kind of get get some of the deeper meanings and uh and look at that and then um an- another kind of interesting thought is um he he talks about taking the bad people and i find it interesting a thought of like do bad people deserve to die? And maybe maybe the world would be better, but do the can can we say that like that is a morally okay thing if if some like God or some sort of stand-in for God were to do that, would we say that is morally all right? And maybe that's my I'm starting a philo- philosophy of morality co- course right now, so maybe. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Maybe that's leading in here. Um, but I, I find that kind of an interesting question of like, should we <laughs> value even the life of someone like Donald Trump, who's making life hell for so many people, but also like, do do we have the right? Right. I and and I I I don't think that the point of the song either is necessarily for us to try and determine. You know, uh, or, or to say that we are capable, qualified of being the judges of this. Um, yeah. I think we are qualified to be the judges of, um, you know, if someone's doing something right or wrong. You know, whether it's whether it's the you know the person that you know down the street or your neighbor or the president. You know, right or wrong. Yeah. But when it comes to these things, you know, he's questioning the universe or, or God or whatever about why this person and not this person this person was making the world a better place. This person's making the world a a worse place. If you got to take someone, but then he also kind of does posit the question, uh, why do you give us life just to take it from us? Like, and, and even that question of like, maybe why do you have to take anybody, you know, but if you do have to take someone, what's up with this, Hmm. you know? Huh. That's interesting. That speaks to a much bigger frustration, uh, than I kind of got out of it. Cause it almost seems like a, question in his faith as well um of like what what he believes in because there's all this bad in the world where he wants to believe in god or believe the world is a good place and then the the world doesn't necessarily reflect that um that's interesting and i think it's so cool that like a song can make us talk about like have these sorts of discussions um and that that's so value and I, I love it when music can do that whereas like often it's just like pop songs and stuff and then every once in a while you get like oh like there's something to grasp onto and there's a discussion to be had about it um and I think that's really cool and it seems to be uh very common through his work absolutely um yeah uh, and 
yeah, before I respond to that directly, Jen, did you have some thoughts here? Um, what, what I picked up out of it was exactly what people claim to see whenever they listen to hip hop, but yet it was exactly not what they claim to see every time they listen to hip hop. Um, okay, yeah, dig, dig deeper it, into that one. <laughs> so, so growing up, um, everybody just talked about how hip hop and rap was angry and violent and talked about nothing but death and killing and all of these things. And that's what this song was. It, it, it was it's angry, it's upset, it is lost, it is talking about death and and violence constantly but it isn't any of those things either it isn't an angry song it isn't a violent song it isn't it, it isn't any of those things i said it talks about them but it isn't any of those things yeah and and that 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 variation that variety that still you you can feel the the way the the communication in it, mm-hmm. um, especially for me in Devil's work, um, and 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 we're I'm, I'm just going to jump right into I'm not racist as well. Um, here, it, it's it's everything. I mean, um, you know the 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 way he utilizes the lyrics and and the tropes and the music, everything about it makes it possible. It's such a use of everything that hip hop should be in in my thoughts. It's the it's it's this beautiful communication of what you're feeling <clears throat> because it's not what it it's it's not the stereotype. It's not the trope, but it, but it's everything that I've always liked about hip hop since I've started to understand and appreciate it. And when you move into I'm not racist, I mean, I had tears on my face listening to that because I used to be the guy in that. I used to be that white guy. I mean, where I grew up, I mean, my, my brother called kids who dressed like they were from the inner city, white kids dressing like they're from the inner city in the W word that rhymes with the N word Yeah, to represent mm. wanna be N word. that's what i grew up with i mean Mm -hmm. i i had to overcome this and i know how bad it is and i talk about this as because i want people to understand that that's not okay if you don't learn that something's not okay you you never get you, you never learn you never see what it does and and that's what i'm not racist i i hope and i think joiner might might agree is as that hope that it, it shows people that there's more to it, that there's something to learn about the situations, that they can step outside of their little insulation and and get to know something more and beyond, something greater than than what they had before. That their the world is is more than your your three thousand people in a you know, a town that's only four square miles. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that kind of personal story. And 
I think it is good for us to to keep in mind that you know those those ways that were or or what what maybe we once have been um that you don't need to walk through life you know like you Jen you said I used to be you know that the dude who was racist you know and and saying the, the, those inappropriate things or feeling those inappropriate ways and I was a part of this you know, whether it's by influence or, or or feeling or trying to fit in, whatever the reasoning doesn't matter, you know, it's still wrong and admitting that it's wrong, but also moving forward from that and um, not wearing that around like a, like a millstone around the neck, you know, like it doesn't need to be this like, you know, scarlet letter that you wear, you know, it's something to say, you know, hey, acknowledge this and moving forward. I think for, for a lot of us, um, I mean, definitely, you know, when you mentioned the, the W word. I mean, that was, that was thrown around, um, in, in my area, I'm in California in a, you know, large cities and that was thrown around, you know, and, and not to say, oh, well, that's just the way it was. No, no, no. That, that is the way it was and it was wrong. And now we're moving forward in a positive direction and, um, we can acknowledge that and say, okay. And, and it stops now. I think saying it stops now go for, for me, for you, for us and anyone mm-hmm. around us, you know, anyone who's in my purview who is having those thoughts or feeling those ways, uh, no, it stops. You know, I'm going to do what I can to put a stop to that too uh, in in conversation, you know, in yeah. having conversations with people say, no, 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 that's not allowed. Even asking people to to leave uh, if I if I need to, not entertaining that. Um, I think that that goes a lot, a lot further than, sulking and lament and uh and kind of beating ourselves up for what what was done i think that's true for anybody if you're if you're someone who is you know was was raised that way or has that or if you have relatives like that or whoever you know friends like that you know step up have those conversations you know the best thing we can do is to say stop it and we're gonna move forward you know to something better i think yeah um i i feel like often the stories of people changing their ways or coming from a place of hate and changing that are often some of the most uplifting. Not necessarily that the story itself is uplifting, but showing that people can change gives like gives me a lot of hope for the potential of actually like improve that people can change. People can learn and learn to be better people. And I mean we're all in a constant process of becoming better people. And it, it's, it's nice to see and know that just how, how much better we can get and how, how mm-hmm. we can change. And I, oh, that, that makes me like happy to hear that's uh, cause that, that means other people can too. And that, that's just so good. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I know from us, you know, I acknowledge my perspective is is limited. I think our all our perspective here is limited. We're three yeah. white trans women, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah. we are certainly open to you know that's you know we we came together not not because not not just thinking well we're three trans women you know let's go do this you know we are not exclusionary and I look forward to the day where 
this podcast is able to broaden out with, you know, a bunch of different perspectives from the LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. community, from, you know, yeah. r- racial perspectives uh, across the board. Um, I, we're open to it and I look forward to it um, as you, the show grows. You want to come on and talk about something? Let us know. Message we'll, us. We'll uh, talk with you. Yeah, and if you got if yeah if you feel like you got a, a, a different perspective to bring, regardless of of uh, religion, race, uh, uh, or sexual orientation, gender orientation, you know, hit us. Whatever up. it may be, yeah. Um, which actually brings us because we've been not plugging our email very much, so plug here we are uh if you want to like reach out to us send send us an email about some topics that you've heard on the show your perspective about things um or if you'd like to be a guest on the show sometime you can send us an email at we happen to be trans at gmail.com uh you can also reach us on instagram uh we're pretty reachable there as well and so yeah like we we like we we definitely want to have more perspectives and and talk. I I feel like good conversations come out of that. Like we we have differences even just like between us, even though we share a lot of privileges and that. Um, but we still have uh, quite different um, perspectives at times, and you know that's it's it's fantastic, and we want more of that, more more. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate both of you. As both of you, I, mm-hmm. you're all, you're atheist as well, Jen. I, I am atheist, um, but when the Cubs, when when the Boy Scouts of America asks, I'm a polytheistic theist. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not the Boy Scouts of America. I'm not a boy, nor am I a scout. But I, I am American. But yeah, so I, I appreciate both of you. You know, because like I like like I said, with the devil's work, and and with I'm not racist. You know, we have we can have our perspectives on some things, but for you two, with the you know, when it comes to the faith based thing, it's like, hey, I'm not a person of faith, right? But I can have these things that I relate with, or these perspectives, or or even I'm not a hip hop fan, you know, or I didn't grow up with hip hop, yeah. and that's why I wanted to choose, you know, that's why I chose these songs because they the the messages and what he's conveying, I think break through the genre, break through necessarily mm-hmm. uh, having to be in the specific situation that he's that he's talking about being a person of faith or being, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a person of color. Uh, prejudices a lot of times still ring true to to a lot of us and and whether whether we've been the ones who have been prejudiced or are being, you know, having people prejudice against us. And questioning the good and the evil of the world is something that is very universal. And for somebody to do that in the hip hop world, you did mention that thing, Jen, where you said that you think all hip hop should be this way. I think I I do want to say kind of kind of going back to something I brought up earlier, there's room for both. There's room for the fun side of hip hop and there's room for this. And I think that I think that this is an area that has not been uh, showcased or dug into as much mm-hmm. uh, as the yeah, party yeah. as the party aspect of hip hop. I think both uh, there's a time for serious, there's a time for fun. Uh, both can happen, and I think that the spectrum of hip hop can be broad 
and I like songs from both styles. Um, however, yeah. maybe the serious side is more the medium that that tailors to you, and that's great. Yeah. Or maybe the party it, it thing does. is it tailors yeah. to serious, someone serious else. Serious side definitely tailors <laughs> to me more. Um, but you're right; there, there's room for both. <laughs> and as someone who has also been on the other side of, you know, when it comes to you brought up Kaylee, the 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 stories of redemption of people kind of coming out of their prejudices. I mean, I was raised LGBTQ plus equals you're going to hell. Yep. And yeah. And I, and, and it was something I was a leader in a church and I, and I led a group where I, where I preached what I was taught to people and told, you know, I, I, I looked a gay man in the face mm -hmm. and said, you know, and, and he was coming saying, Oh, I'm in sin. What do I do? And, we stood around him and prayed for him mm -hmm. and gave him advice on how to, you know, love God and and yeah. more than being gay. And that sucks. And but it happened. And I haven't shied away from that. I've written about it on social media. It sucks that that happened, but perspectives, you know, perspectives change. Certainly, I I am gay and trans. And but <laughs> since then, mm -hmm. kind of back to what I said, put a stop to it. And I've also gone back to those people, I, I went back to that person in particular and, and apologized and actually said, wow. no, like God loves you. You are, you are mm -hmm. gay and God loves you and loves you the way that, wow. that he made you. And, uh, knowing that that yeah. person was still a person of faith, you know, it, mm -hmm. they didn't listen to me. They didn't like that, it. That's but. really impressive yeah. that you went back to, uh, say that because that I can't imagine how difficult that would be, uh, and and like f facing up to past mistakes is such a difficult thing, and uh, anyways, I'm, I I'm mighty impressed. Oh, well, yeah. I'll just leave that there. I I, I don't, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we, we, we can spend quite a bit of time mm -hmm. on, on the religion thing, but for sure. And I love getting both of your perspectives on that. And certainly the the it being a, a religious song, actually, it didn't even enter my mind as far as being yeah. something to like push on either. You know what I mean? Like it was more <laughs> like the idea, you know, than it was necessarily coming from the place of faith. It was more like yeah. the question mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. positive yeah. than it yeah. was. And, and also the controversy, to be honest, it was the it was the whoa, he's drinking in a church. That's pretty controversial. And like what he's saying is pretty controversial and that's I, funny because like, that's not controversial to me at all <laughs> but i like the dr drinking in church like it does didn't have that impact because i'm like it, is that not a thing that people do people drink wine in church don't they well Something for like communion that, but people don't bring a bottle of, i mean i don't yeah. know how many times you've seen a person bring a bottle of jack you know into yeah. the into the sanctuary being uh -huh. like you know let's get my praise on <laughs> Woo! Yeah. spring break <laughs> I want to party with Jesus. Yeah, after this, you know, and we're meeting out out back for for uh, you know donuts and the wet T-shirt contest. Woo! Yeah, <laughs> that's my type of church. Oh Fantastic. yeah. Hey, honestly, I would go too. That would be rad. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe maybe that's why I, I'm very conflicted in my faith right now. <laughs> yeah. That, that's you have you, you, you have enough the... donuts and wet T-shirts. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm so turned on right now. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for having that awesome. conversation. This was a this was a deep You're episode. Welcome. I'm like, oh yeah, man. we I need to yeah. go, like yeah. I need to go watch yeah. some comedy. I need to lighten up. I need to like we're lighthearted and deep all at the same time, right? <laughs>
It's all about bringing, I, they, they prophesied that I would, that I know you're not a person of faith, but, but they prophesied that I would be the one to bring balance. This podcast would be the one to bring balance to the force, the light, the dark, the joke, the serious. It's all about that balance, you know. It's about like uh, uh, you gotta wipe out the Jedi. So there's only two of them, and then you gotta you have only two Sith. So you're covered in balance. And mm-hmm. then after you do that, 25 years later, you're gonna destroy the Sith. Uh, I thought it was 25 years later I was gonna destroy the franchise and make some <laughs> terrible, terrible movies. No, 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 no. That that comes 40 years after that. You're gonna be. You're gonna sell off your rights to destroy the franchise. I just thought. I just honestly thought like there was still probably a subsection of like fans <laughs> that would still be listening after we totally probably offended everyone. And I just wanted to make sure we wiped them out. I, I Lucas them. <laughs> George Lucas them. Yeah. Next thing you know, this entire episode, this entire podcast will be done in CGI with bad voiceover. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> We'll have a new Jar Jar character will be joining us. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm already the Jar Jar of this podcast. Well, thank you all for listening to We Happen to Be Trans this week. We hope you do come yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> please, please. We promise no Jar Jars. You can have some donuts. Yes. Followed by a wet t-shirt contest. Bye. <laughs> oh, God.